2: Welcome back, ladies and gents. Uh, welcome back to another show on the MVM show with Titus, your host. And I do this randomly, but for some reason just felt like I wanted to do it today. I want to say a big shout out to all you active duty military men and women that listen to this podcast. I feel like there's a lot of you. A lot of people that message me on Instagram are active duty, whether you're in the Marines, Navy. Army, Air Force, or Coast Guard, I appreciate your service and uh, as a fellow vet to the active duty and also you veterans that listen, thank you so much for your service. I know none of us did it for a pat on the back and for any rewards, but uh, I want to say thank you for serving your country. All right, that being said, let's roll right into the episode. So, shout out to, (laughs) excuse me, Aaron Gomes. Man, I've uh, been messaging on Instagram, and I um, appreciate your support. I feel like over the years, I know you've followed along for quite a while, even before the podcast, I believe. But you had a good question, and something I would like to talk about, i um, not saying I have it all figured out, or I have it perfect, but it's about what decoys do I use, and how many do I use? So that's what I want to talk about just for a little bit, this won't be a long episode, Someone gave me a hard time the other day and said, every time you say that, it ends up being an hour long. Well, when I say not long, it'll probably be 20 minutes, 25 at the most. So when I say not long, that's about what I'm thinking in my head. So let's get into this. And then I want to say something about my uh, 20-gauge Franke as well. Um, but let's just dig into this. So he said, uh, I was wondering if on one of your upcoming podcasts, you'd be willing to talk about how many... How you determine how many decoys to put out and what types or species, right? Also, how many decoys you should even pack along for a trip. So, um, how many decoys? I'll write this down so I don't... So, how many? What species? And then... uh, Well... I guess that's the same question twice. So anyways, so first question, how what what species do I use? This I got a perfect 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 answer for that. And um it sounds simple, but you know, when people are learning or figuring things out, it's not so simple, right? And it's only simple for people that have been doing it for a long time. So, let's start here. Uh Let's do this first. Let's do a refuge. Okay. So let's say if you're going to hunt a refuge. Okay. I don't know how many people actually know this. I'm sure quite a bit, but I bet you there's a big majority that do not. You can go on Fishing Games website. I can't give you the exact link or where. Just dig in like what I have and spend hours where you find in pages you never knew even existed on California Fishing Game website. And, um, and again, I know this just doesn't refer to California, but just bear along with me if you're from other states. But go in the deep, deep, dark inner webs of the California Fishing Game website, and you can find a page there that has the numbers or results starting from opening day all the way till the end of all the uh, Type A and some Type B refuges, <coughs> and you can go on there and see, okay, this refuge, this refuge, this refuge, it, it has a list, and it's like three or four pages long, and it has every refuge, it has bird average, goose average, waterfowl average, hunter, how many hunters hunted that day, the date, the refuge, and then at the end, this is where it's going to be key for you, if you ever want to hunt there, it's maybe somewhere you've never hunted before, go find that page, and what you'll do is not only do you get to see how they're doing, which it's, you know, it's going to be a week old or whatever, but it will have the number one shot bird and the number two shot bird. So it's not going to give you everything, but it's going to give you a big upper hand. It's going to say like mallard widgeon or spoonies. And it's kind of in code short term shorthand basically, or shoveler and snow goose or, you know, whatever, or gadwall. So that right there is a big key on what, okay, this is what I need to bring. And for instance, so like say if it's mallards and widgeon, that's all I would bring personally. Um, That's just me. I mean, you can bring whatever you want. But like mallards kind of seem like they like to stick to mallard decoys. I'm not saying that's gospel. It's like, man, my goodness, you say anything on a public platform, people nail you to the wall and like say, oh, there's no other routes. Not saying that. I'm not saying that mallards will not decoy over shoveler decoy or mallards will not decoy over shoveler decoys or gaballs or none of that. I'm not saying that one bit. I'm just saying like a majority of the time, okay, mallards like to keep to themselves. Um, now everything else, like spoonies, gaball, wigeon, teal, blooming, green wing, cinnamon, they're not really specific or um, Want this exact spot, okay? Or with this certain group of birds. But if I seen Mallard Widgeon, I'd take Mallard Widgeon. I really won't worry about anymore. Maybe some green wings just that for because they're light and you could add a little bit bigger spread for being lighter. Or just take those two. Now, if it said shovelers and was number one, and green wings, excuse me, I'm on night shift, and green wings were number two. I would take all my till, cinnamon, blue wing, green wing. I'd take my shoveler decoys. I'd take my gabble. I'd take everything that I possibly could take. Because most of the time, these birds are going to be on either big water or bigger pockets. And the more you put in there, the more attention you're going to draw. Not saying you couldn't shoot till over a dozen decoys. I'm just saying, like, I like that's what I like to do. Okay. And um, so let me. Let me paraphrase this again. Now, let's change it. So now that you've seen what's there, maybe you can't see what is where you're going, like what species of birds, and you don't have that cheat code, okay? But you know where you're going, and you know what the environment looks like, and it's tight holes, like really choked out holes with cover, really little little pockets of water. Again, I personally would take not a ton of decoys it sounds more in my mind, it's more of a mallard spot. Not to say teal, I was in a little pocket the other day, and teal were just buzzing through that crazy. So, there's no set thing with wild game. But you know, if you're going over data for years and years, you just know what you've seen and what you haven't, but it doesn't say something else could happen. But so, like, that little pocket had a ton of teal, and we really didn't have, I think, we had emotion ducks and like four other decoys, maybe six at the most. And the till just wanted it. <clears throat> um, now, but like I said, if it's a smaller, tighter hole, less decoys, a little spread out, a little bit more, leave some open pockets for the birds to land to decoy, and call that good. Now, if you're open big water and you're like, no, you know that it's going to be a big open spot, man. Bring as many as you possibly can because I've noticed in that big open water, the more decoys that you have, the more it's they're seen better and what happens in real big water is birds will start to raft up like in the middle of a pond where there's no cover, there's no toolies, there's no cattail, there's nothing. And they know they're safe out there because, you know, maybe they're seasoned birds and they've been around the refuge for a while. Bring as many decoys as you can get as much motion in the spread as you can. That's what I do. That's what I've done. And it's worked. And that really kind of brings in and mixes in, um, what decoys do we use and how many? So, big water, lots of decoys. Small water, not so many. Small water, bigger birds, mallards, galwal, wigeon. Open water, uh, Pentel, green wings, blue wings, cinnamon, which cinnamon just forever. They just go wherever they want to go. There's no re- reason, reason or rhyme. Um, what else? Let's see. Yeah, that's, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Kyle Jones, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's he's uh, on Instagram stuff, and he's won uh, goose calling competitions. I, I'm sure Dup too. And he's a pretty young guy, quite a bit younger than me. And he said something so true. It's like that's, he said what I want to say a lot. Like guys will say, and this is not saying anything to Aaron Gomes that said this at all. That's not, I'm not saying this. What I'm saying is, is he says he? I've been hunting for a long time, and I'm still trying to figure out. Because he said he gets questions all the time, same as I do. How do I find a good spot for ducks? How do how do I know um, this? How do I know that? Where where do I go in this situation? If it's windy, what do I do here? And it's like, dude, I'm still learning. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. I'm every time I go out, I'm taking documentation. I'm making notes. That's why I bought that thing to keep track of this because, yeah, I've been hunting for a long time, but I can only retain so much. And it's like, yeah, uh, when the wind, uh, okay, most of the time you want the wind at your, majority of the time, you want the wind at your back, you want to set it up where the birds are coming right at you into the wind. Birds like to land into the wind. You don't know how many times I've hunted, a lot more than you think. And winds in my face, you pick... the weatherman was wrong, and you're like, doggone it. You know, it's like, okay, here I am. Wind's in my face. This isn't going to work, but I'm here now. People are in other spots. It's shoot time. I'm just going to see what happens. Wind wasn't going the way they said it was going to go. And I've had birds landing downwind in my decoys, and I'm like scratching my hand like, okay. Everything I thought, everything I heard went right out the window. Like, yes, of course, that's how you want to set it up is set yourself up for the most success you can, but I'm scratching my head. I've been hunting 20 years, and why are the birds landing in, downwind? I mean, one, and because they're wild animals, and none of us know why. None of us are ever going to understand. Why do they want that pocket of water versus this pocket of water? Why, when you're out there hunting, you think you're on the X, and the X is 300 yards away, and... There's nothing over there. It's not like there's corn in the water. They just all went there, and if you flush them all out, twenty minutes later they're probably still gonna come dump in there. Why? They just got flushed out. Why are they going back in there? I have no idea. Is it a imprintation uh, imprint, some psychological imprint in their mind that they want the spot? They were hatched right there. I have no idea. I just know. It's it's waterfowling is a constant game of adjusting 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 I mean I'm writing that down because it's like that's what it, that's what it is and uh me and Kevin uh last video if you haven't seen that check it out um episode four we we talk about that that's something we kind of he's been hunting longer than me 30 some years or well, actually, no. He's, uh, let's see, a 36 years, I think. And he was saying, it was after all these years, we both figured something out and said, you know what? We need to adjust and reevaluate every 15 minutes. When we're duck hunting, every 15 minutes, because what happens is you get set up, you face the way you're facing, you're sitting there, you got your gun loaded, and you end up setting that Kinda of getting in that zone and staying in that zone. And wherever you're at, oh, this is it is what it is. But listen, you determine your own fate. If if maybe it's a clear, calm day, nothing's flying, there ain't much you can do about that. But what you can do if you've sat there for a couple hours, pick your decoys up, maybe take a hike. Maybe find some new stuff, you know. Um Now, if there's birds flying, they're dumping in 300 yards away. Don't be stubborn and say, oh, well, I guess I just picked the wrong spot. Pick your decoys up and move, you know, adjust. So what I was saying is don't get caught in that rut like, well, three, four hours go by. You never adjusted. You've seen things changing and moving, but you never made the move. And sometimes it's not on purpose. You're like, why did I not move? Like the end of that day, you're like, I should have moved because we just kind of get comfortable where we're at and we don't think about it. So what I'm trying to tell you, what causes success is to get up. Me and Thomas, or Thomas and I moved three times on that mountain hunt, episode three. Three times. First off, the first place we picked, we did it in the complete blind dark and then realized, oh man, there is, we've hunted there like two years ago. There was absolutely no cover, nothing. Nothing you can pull from, nothing you could create, make, no stumps, logs. There was nothing we could have done. And I was like, this is that we're we're toast. Well, we weren't really because we can move. So we let the sun come up, see how the birds react. Of course, they're not going to land because we're completely naked. So we walk a long ways. Nothing there. Nothing really working this pond. We walk again, and then we find and we move again, and we find a spot, and we end up shooting. Uh, I think five apiece, or four. I shot four. He shot five. Something like that. Within like an hour, hour and a half. Amazing. And and not even a good time of day it was like 8.30 to 10. Not say, Well, I shouldn't say that's not a good time of day, but you know what I'm saying? It's not the hottest time because birds were flying like crazy at first light. But adjust, adjust, adjust. Don't waste time. I can tell me times I've been like, we need to move. We need to move. We need to move. Two hours goes by. We need to move. Now it's like, let's move. Like, And that's exactly what I did. The first time I said in that video is when we got up. I just stood up. And we moved. And if we wouldn't have, we would have not shot a cotton picking thing, I guarantee you. I took one shot in that pond and it just, I was like, okay, we're out of here. So every 15 minutes, reevaluate. It may be the same as it was 15 minutes ago. That's totally fine. But the fact is, you force yourself to reassess the situation. I guess that's really the word I was looking for reassess the situation. And this is me and Kevin just talked about this from our hunt the other day. Okay, let's reevaluate, let's reassess. Okay, birds doing this, they turn this way, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's why you see duck hunters moving their decoys twenty times. Because right just didn't they didn't do it the right way, or maybe three pair three different groups of birds kept turning where you didn't want them to turn, so put these over there. I mean, that's why I call decoys bird diverters sometimes, because when they're still birds, boy, they go around those. I mean, they literally orbit around. They will orbit on the outside of those decoys. They'll center themselves and, you know, orbit right around them, just out of range. So there's been times I put decoys like 40 yards away from me where I was on the orbit line because birds were not wanting to decoy and they were super leery and people were shooting across refuge, couldn't get nothing to land. There was too much activity going on and I got basically out on the, the edge of where they were swinging around and that's how I set my decoys up and it worked. That's how I had to make it work. Is that the way I prefer? Is that the way I like? Is that the way I enjoy? Absolutely not. I hate that. I want them decoying in. I want them setting in the decoys. <clears throat> like I said the other day, that's why I'm kicking myself. I'm like, I had all those green wings decoying with shots going on like crazy. And they were decoying. They wanted that spot. And I would just pass them up. Oh, just wait for big birds. Wait for big birds. Why? So stupid. I'm still re- kicking myself over that. But, uh. Anyways, I guess I'll jump over. Hopefully, that was detailed enough. I could go on that. I'm trying to. I'm not. I want to leave nothing out because I did have a lot of ideas for that topic, Aaron. And thank you for uh, writing that in. And good luck this season. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. I felt like there was something else I was wanting to say about that. I think that's about it. Um, I, I'll do a little plug right here. Um, check out, you know, Final Approach. If you need looking for rigs, honestly, I I can't say it enough. Me and Thomas will say when we're on the marsh, we're like. We'll just randomly say, like, when we're setting our decoys up or picking them up. Man, I love these rigs. They're so much nicer than some of the other stuff we've used. And not that some of it was so bad. It was just this is so good, in my opinion. And they're holding up so well. And the decoys, too, by the way. Final perch decoys really really look good and stuff. But anyways, I'm going to jump over because I don't know if I said this on the last episode. I can't remember if I did or not. But I was shooting my twenty mean tall stick my both are twenties. He was shooting the Benelli Ethos Cordoba best. I was shooting my Frankie Fendi Elite Three. And uh I shot, you can see my first or second shot of the morning. My um here we go, boys, you know how it is. You know me, I gotta forget it. My ejector. The um ejector handle, I'll just call it that. Um it's like it it's kind of weird because when you watch it, I shoot, you could see it go flying off in my GoPro and I didn't even realize it till later. So I might've been able to find it. I don't know if it went in the water, but but I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, it wasn't loose. It wasn't halfway out. I've shot a lot of rounds with that gun. That's never happened. What in the world did that just all of a sudden kick out after a shot? Like partially in my mind, I'm wondering if when it kicked back and that shot came, when it slammed back, it must have, it hit that piece in the back and shot off i mean there's no reason for that to happen like i have no idea so now i'm like gun shy about that no pun intended but like i bought another one it was like 30 bucks 10 shipping so i spent up spending like 40 bucks for that stupid thing and i wouldn't have did that but we're in the middle of season it's annoying i i i want to shoot the gun i've actually shot it more the 12 uh 20 and 28 i've already shot more than my 12 and i want (coughs) to excuse me I don't want to get stuck and or not shoot the gun because I have to call them, which I think if I called Frankie and told him the situation, maybe they would send me out a couple or tell me like, Oh, Hey, you're, you know, this is wrong with this or that. And I hope that's not what I hear, but like, man, I want at least it's funny, you know, stuff always happens during duck season. Cause that's when you're using your stuff. So anyways, I got the new one in there. Um, they're going to be, we're going to be going hunting this week. Uh, you're going to be seeing uh Harrison, with me and Harrison be together, we're both going to be shooting our 20s and our 28 gauges, so really excited about that. Um, I just hope the 20, I, it's not that I couldn't use it, it's totally fine uh, loading it, it's unloading it, that's such a pain because I have to use like a shell or a stick or something to pull it down to get the shell out when I'm unloading, but loading it and then shooting it's not a big deal without it, but I just don't want to deal with that, so... Anyways, um, so, be shooting the 20 the 28 gauge, and I'll be shooting, bouncing between heavy bismuth and heavy 12, and man, when you're shooting that 28 gauge with the heavy 12, you just, you you don't, you're not undergunned, and really, you don't even need to shoot that even bismuth, just bismuth alone, I almost feel guilty using heavy 12, because it's like, it's so expensive, I'm just like trying, you know what I mean, like, when you have something so nice and so expensive, like, a super, like, Nice sports car. You like barely want to drive it. You want to keep it covered. You don't want dust on it. You want to use it. It's bad of the bone, but like, uh, if I take it out, that's when it's going to get a scratch or that's when it's going to get a nick or a rock hit it. And that's like 12. It's like, it's so nice. I like looking at it and I like seeing what it does, but it's like, ooh, it's, you almost turn into a hoarder with that stuff, you know? But, anyways, I'll be bounced between those two. Um, The heavy bismuth is, um, I'm just taking that for the 20. I actually don't have any 28 gauge. I don't even know if they have made any this year. But for the 20 gauge, I'll shoot the uh, heavy bismuth, 20 uh, three inch, six shot, six shot one and eighth ounce load, 1400 feet per second. And I might shoot the heavy 12, too, and that's three inch, six shot. Uh, and I have two. So I got one more speed and I got one that's more uh, ounces. The one's seven-eighths ounce, seven-eighths ounce, fifteen hundred feet per second. I do like speed, um, but then the other one is thirteen fifty, I believe. Or is it fourteen? No, I can't read it. I think it's thirteen fifty, and it's three-inch six, three-inch six shot, thirteen fifty. One and an eighth ounce, I believe. And I can't read it from here. Sorry, guys. I guess that was a waste of time to tell you that. Um, anyways, if I was shooting uh, not those two blends, I would definitely shoot heavy metal out of my 20. I, I, I really don't want to shoot anything else personally besides bismuth or tungsten out of my 28 gauge just because it's smaller. I don't want to shoot straight steel. And I really don't want to shoot heavy metal, but um, for my 20, I would totally be comfortable using heavy metal, no problem at all. So, anyways, that's the ammo we're going to be using. That's the guns we're going to be using. I'm pretty excited. And um, you'll be seeing some podcasts come your way and hopefully some videos. Depends on what happens. Um, Other than that, check out Motion Ducks. Remember that deal. Don't forget that deal. If you haven't checked it out yet, motionducks.com forward slash MVM. and at, at checkout, so you're getting a deal there at checkout, put in NVM 10 and get an additional 10% off and a free anchor back, so that is it for now, stay tuned for the updates and more podcasts to come I've uh, been busy with work, so I haven't got out as, as much as I would like, but that's okay, I'm ready to get on it and uh, hopefully get some more videos and hunts out and have some success and have some fun hope you guys' season is going well, uh, just keep updating if you guys want Feel free to email us, DM us on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you want, man. It's uh, I really always appreciate everybody's support and the feedback and ideas you guys give me. We will see you on the next episode.